Let's pray together. Lord, we offer you this time and we, we come before you and ask that, that you would teach us, that you would speak, go beyond my words, Lord, to your words to each of us. Oh, Father, make us into the image of Jesus. Transform us, oh God, uh, so that we grow up into that which you've created us to be. We ask that in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Our reading that we just had from Paul's letter to the Jesus followers living in Ephesus that we read from this morning, it brings up a, a word that, that causes lots of, of concern and, and debate. And uh, Anybody know what that word is? Predestination. predestination. Oh, no, predestination. Wow. What do we do with that? Um, this is... The, the references that Paul had in that it says in verse five that God predestined us to be adopted. And in verse 11, it says in him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything. OK, and, and people have all kinds of questions about this, and they mostly revolve around things like, OK, does that mean that God created some people that he will never allow to become Christians. Good. I'm glad you're saying no, because I think you're right about that. Um, uh, there's, you know, but, but that's a misunderstanding. That's a question that people have. They just, they, they don't know. I do believe God wants everybody to come to know him through Jesus. He wants everybody to be saved because he said it. First Timothy 2.4, God our Savior wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. Just some people? No, He wants everybody to be saved. So what did God do? John 3.16, God loved the world. He, that means the people who live in, in this place. God loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son so that some people who believe in Him Everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Romans 10.13, which quotes Joel 2.32, says, Everyone, some people, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So predestination doesn't mean that some are called. It means what happens with those who come. Okay? Now, so I just wanted to address that so that I could talk about something else. <laughs> Hopefully, the, that, that part was free. You don't have to pay anything for that part. Uh, talking about predestination and wondering who's in and who's out and, and who's allowed to come and who isn't is the wrong question. God wants everybody to come because He loves Everybody. He loves everybody in this room. He loves everybody in Jacksonville. He loves everybody around the world who has lived and will live. And he wants us all to come to him through Jesus. Okay? Talking about this in any other way 
it is getting us distracted from something that this brought up to me. You, you know how things happen in your life. And, it, and it, I had this conversation this week with another rector. His name is Mike McDonald, and he's the rector of uh, Grace Anglican Church over in Fleming Island. And one of the things he said in our conversation uh, was, was along the lines of, we, we were talking about uh, planting, a, you know, can we get together in, in either our two churches or all the churches in this area look at planting other churches? And we're saying it costs money, costs money to do that, right? And he says that's, that's not a problem. He says if the money's not there, it's because we haven't done a good enough job of explaining why the church is worth investing in. And, and, you know, we went on with the conversation, but that, I put a bookmark there and said, well, why, you know, why is the church worth it? What's so good about the church, right? What what makes it worth people putting money into it or, or people that don't belong to it? Why why would they ever come? We Sometimes we get distracted by saying, well, who can come? Well, everybody can come. The question is, why would they? Why would they come? Um, I think this is very true. People can learn things from the church. And I'm not talking about the institution. I'm not talking about the government side of the church. That's not, I'm talking about you and me. We're the church. Right? The church is not a building. The church is us. People can learn things from the church they can't learn anywhere else. I think that's what makes it worth it. I think that's why people out there would come to the church. Where else but from the the church do people learn things like this? That we're all meant to be valued just because we're human. Every human is meant to be valued because we are human beings. Now, not just because we're human beings, but because we are human beings who are made in God's image. Okay? We are all made in the image of God, and therefore, everyone has inherent value and purpose. Not just the pretty people, or the strong people, or the smart people. All people have value. Okay? The, the idea that all people are created equal, that's not an American idea. That's a Christian idea. This is where it came from. And Jesus referred to this. And if Jesus believes it, I'm in. I just wanted to look at it the way Jesus did, right? We're told God created human beings in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. All people are made in God's image. All people, because we're made in God's image, deserve to be loved, deserve to be respected. You, you, here's, here's the thing. You don't have to be a Christian to believe this. Right? People believe this who aren't Christians. Agreed? Jewish people believe this. You know, this is from the Jewish scriptures. They believe it too. But even people who don't believe, who are atheists, might believe this. 
But here's the difference. When an atheist believes it, when you get right down to why they believe it, they have no basis for saying this is something everybody should do because it's just an opinion. They might hold the opinion, but there's nothing greater than their opinion that says this is something that should be true for everybody. It takes a belief in God and knowledge of Him to have an anchor that's worth building on, a foundation that's worth building on. Otherwise, it's just an opinion because you and I are random particles that happen to come together and, and we're no, not substantially different from anything else that walks, talks, grunts, or, or spits on the planet. But if this is something that God truly did, and Jesus believed it, and again, he pulled off his own death and resurrection, right? He said it would happen, it did, he pulled it off. I'm going with what he believes. He believed this. That, that means that it's worth everybody believing it. Where else can people learn this as more than just an opinion? That it really is something that transcends what we think. That it really is true. It's because of Jesus. And that's why I say that the world needs this And we're the ones that can help them understand it. We're the ones that know that this is more than just an opinion. Because the one who died and rose again believes it. Therefore, it has authority that goes beyond pure opinion. You see what I'm I'm saying with that? Okay. Um, I, I hear that there are some people who loudly trump tolerance. Okay, and, and, and I think we should be tolerant. In fact, I think Christians should be and probably are the most tolerant people on the planet. But the tolerance that I hear about most often in our culture, the people who are loud, most loudly shouting tolerance are also the same people who get vicious when you disagree with them. That's not tolerance. Where else can people learn but from us? What real tolerance is about. And this is something every Christian should know and should show. Real tolerance doesn't mean you condone every idea and every behavior. Real tolerance means you love and value all people, even though their ideas and their behavior could be better. Real tolerance is being tolerant of someone who is made in the image of God, And maybe correcting their beliefs, but showing them the love and respect that they deserve because they are made in the image of God. That's what real tolerance is about. Real tolerance is not about, I'll accept you as long as you don't disagree with me. We're supposed to teach people. Jesus said this. If he said it, I'll believe it. Go to the people of all nations, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, and make them my disciples and teach them to do everything I told you. Okay? Does everybody right now on the planet agree with what Jesus said and what he said to do? No. And it's our job to go and tell them and teach them. We don't have to accept their ideas and their behavior. But we have to love them enough as somebody made in the image of God.
to go and do it. Paul wrote letters to, to a group of, of Christians in Corinth. And in one of the letters, 1 Corinthians 5.12, he said, It's not our job to judge those outside the church. Yeah, they're not doing it right. But why would they? They don't know any better, is what he was basically saying. Jesus said this, you've, you've heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Well, that's, that's what a lot of people are good at nowadays. I love the people that agree with me, and I hate you if you don't. But Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies. This is tolerance, folks. You have enemies. That's okay. Love them. Pray for those who persecute you, and that way you'll be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. The people that disagree with you aren't there to be hated and torn down and talked about. They're there to be loved and respected and taught. Who else can do that but the people of God through Jesus? Okay? Where else can people go but to the church to find out things like that? There there are... Lesser and greater ideas. Some ideas are bad. Some ideas are good. There are lesser and greater behaviors. There are things I grew up learning. We don't do that. This is how we act, right? But people is what you tolerate. You love them and teach them because they're made in the image of God. Where else can you find that on the planet if not for the church? Here's another one. Where will people learn what real love is if not in the church? Out there, people think that that love is a feeling. But it's really a choice to show preference and, and a certain way of treating other people by doing things like this, by being patient with them and being kind to them. By not letting yourself be jealous of them and letting that control your behavior. It, it, by not being proud of who you are and boastful of who you are. That's not the way to love and, and prefer other people. Well, I'm so good. That's not the way for me to love somebody else. Love means you're not rude. Too often people are rude, aren't they? But that's not love. It's not being, it doesn't demand its own way. Love isn't selfish. Love doesn't keep score. Love doesn't get irritable. That's what love is. It's not an ooey gooey feeling, right? Love doesn't rejoice when things are unjust. Love seeks out what's right, what's just, right? Love rejoices in truth. If something is true, we need to honor that. Love honors what is true. Even though it costs you. Even though what's just may mean I have to pay the fine, right? That's what love does. Where do people find out about this if not from us? 
Where do people find out uh, about faithfulness? Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Love is always hopeful. That starts to speak to giving people the benefit of the doubt. Well, I, I don't know if they did that or not, but I'm going to act like they did it. And they No, that's not love. That is not love. We're called to love. Where are people going to find out what love is except through us? Love gives people the benefit of the doubt. Where do people learn about these things if not from the church? Love endures through every circumstance. It may get really hard, really tough trying to love, but real love does it. Where do people learn about that if not from us? Where do people learn in this world what leadership and power are really supposed to be used for? What would the world say leadership and power is supposed to be used for? Get a new airplane. We already decided we didn't need one, right? Jesus showed us. Jesus showed what leadership and power is meant to be used for. John 13 Starting in verse 3. Jesus knew the Father had given him authority over everything. What does that mean? That means that Jesus had all the power and he was the leader. And he knew it. Jesus knew he had all the power and he was the leader. And that he had come from God and he was returning to God. He could do whatever he wanted to do. What does the world teach you to do? I'll tell you what. Nobody but the church can teach you to do what Jesus did. Because Jesus had all the power and he was the leader, he got up from the table and took off his robe and wrapped a towel around his waist and poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet like the lowliest of servants. And he dried them with the towel he, he had wrapped around his waist. Who but Christians... Who but the church, who but you and me can help people understand that when you have power and influence and authority, that it's meant to be used to serve. Nobody out there teaches that except the church. It's not only possible, but it's preferable to serve rather than to be served. And then Jesus said, after he did this, he said, I've given you an example to follow. Do as I've done to you. Where else do people learn but from the example that only we can give? Where else will people learn what the real point of freedom is? Real freedom. People in our culture say things like, hey, it's a free country. I can do whatever I want. Right? Anybody heard? Who's heard that? that but real freedom 
is not supposed to be about doing whatever you want. Paul, again, Paul's smart guy. He wrote the church in Corinth. He said, you, you say I'm allowed to do anything. But not everything is good for you. You say I'm allowed to do anything. I'm free. It's a free country. But not everything is beneficial. Freedom is not meant to be wrapped up in doing whatever you want to do. Whatever you do, he says, do it all for the glory of God. We're not free to do anything we want. We're free to do what is right. The freedom that you and I have is given to us so that we can do What's right? What's good? What's beneficial? We're not enslaved to other things. We're free to do what's right and good and beneficial. That's what freedom is. Who out there but the church can teach that? We're the ones that have been given freedom through Jesus. Right? Yes? Nobody else out there can help people understand what freedom is for. Here's another one. Where else but from us can people learn that even hardships and tragedies are okay? And that you can even choose to be joyful in the middle of them. What? That's silly. That's dumb. Who chooses to be joyful when everything's falling apart in your life? We do. We choose that. James the brother of Jesus, right? What would it take for you to believe your brother is the Messiah of the world, right? James did. James, James soaked up the things that Jesus said. It changed his perspective. He said, you know what, brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, choose to consider that it's an opportunity for joy. What? Who teaches that? Only the church. Only you and me can share that. When troubles come, come our way, most people get upset and depressed and downhearted and angry and, and, and spiteful. And, and we grieve. And, and a lot of that is it's okay. You can be joyful while you grieve. Did you know that? Who teaches that but the church? This is why you can choose to be joyful even when it's hard. You know that when your faith is tested... Your endurance has a chance to grow. Why is that a big deal? Let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you'll be perfect. You'll be mature. You'll be complete. You'll be whole, needing nothing. How can I be whole when I lost my job, when they died, when I got that diagnosis? How can I be whole? And let me tell you, it's grieve. It's okay. You can grieve. You can be sad. But also choose that there's something in this that God loves you, is with you, is for you, is sustaining you, is giving you strength. That through Jesus, ultimately, there's nothing that can touch you or take you out of His hand. You can choose to be joyful because you're being made more mature, more complete, more whole because of how you learn about God and your relationship with Him grows, even in the middle of the trouble that's come against you. Who teaches that but the church? Anybody? 
Do you know anybody that teaches that? But the church, the people who follow Jesus. Anybody? Nobody teaches that but us. Struggles mean we can grow to become more whole and mature because we know Him better and we become more like Him. And you know what else? It will spill out on other people. When you struggle, when you face the difficulties, when you have the hardships and the tragedies, when you grieve, when you're sad, when you hit the, the roadblocks, then you have something that you can share with other people. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to His purpose for them. But that was a tragedy. Yeah, but God will use it for your good. Something will happen. You'll grow in ways that you never would have grown otherwise. I know. Grieve. Do grieve. It's okay. Grieve. Be sad. It's okay. But choose joy because it's going to be used in your life in a way that's going to benefit you. And then you'll benefit others. Because He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When, when someone else is, when they're troubled, we'll be able to give them the same comfort that God gives us. Who teaches that out there but the church? The world needs what we know. The world out there, people that you know need this. And nobody's going to tell them. If we don't tell them. Do you know the world out there? You may not know this, but I read Facebook. The world out there is being divided into camps. Do you know that? People are being divided into groups that oppose each other. I I don't know if if y'all are aware of that. People are being divided over their race. People are being divided over finances and and their economic status. The haves and the have-nots. And they're opposing each other. People are being divided by social classes. People are being divided by by politics. I don't know if you know that or not. But like I said, I read Facebook. You know, if it's on Facebook, I believe it, right? (laughs) People are being divided over religions. And nobody can bring what you and I can bring. We may not agree with their ideas. We may not agree with their behavior. But guess what? They're made in the image of God. He loves them. He sent Jesus for them. And we can share that. When, when people hear that there's a way to overcome the divides without one side getting their way over the other side, all of those things can be resolved If one side wins, if the haves win, who cares what the have-nots say? If one race can beat down the other race, who cares what that race that's beaten down says? Nobody can, can bring what the church brings. This is what the church brings. Paul wrote the Galatians. The church says... We know, you and I know, we're all children of God through faith in Jesus. There is no longer the divisions out there once people come to Jesus. Once people come to Jesus, all of those things that divide us become less important. One of the biggest divisions at the time this was written 
was between Jews and non-Jews or Gentiles. Boy, they didn't get along. They were groups that were opposed to each other. Slaves and free people were opposed. Male and female, one felt oppressed and one was oppressing and they didn't get... Okay, but in Jesus, there's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female. You're all one in Jesus. Jesus is what can bring people of different races together. Jesus is the one that can bring people of different economic statuses or social statuses together. Jesus is the one that can reach across political aisles and bring people together. We come together in Him. The world has no antidote for the divisions. Might makes right out there. Nobody, nobody on the planet, nobody on the planet can share what we know. That it's in Jesus that people can come together and break down dividing walls. That's why the world needs Christians in it. Where else will they learn it if if not from us? Here's another one. Even people out there that believe in God can, can be mistaken about some things. There's some people out there that say, well, you have to make God happy by doing the right things. If you don't do the right things, God's, God won't be happy with you. You, won't, you know, He won't give you the time of day. You know what Christians know? Salvation isn't a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it. Salvation's a gift. God loved you so much that before you were good, He sent Jesus. Who else out there teaches that but us? Nobody. Nobody can bring to the table what Jesus' followers bring. We need to be less concerned about, well, who's predestined for this and who's not? That's not the question. God wants everybody in. Who's going to let them know? It's you and me. We know the secret that will turn the world upside down. Everything that the world built and all of its structures, upside down. Once they know the secret that you and I know. If you're in here, you're not a Christian, I hope you're hearing something that you, maybe you've never heard it before. But it's in Jesus that these, there are answers to these things. You won't find answers anywhere else. Christians know everybody is welcome in the kingdom of God by trusting Jesus. Everybody gets in the same way. If you're not a Christian, you you don't have to become good and you don't have to clean up your acts before God gives you the time to... God loves you already. You don't have to do special things to make God like you. You're well, if you'll trust Jesus, you're in. You're in. Everybody who's in gets the same benefits. It's probably the most fair thing out there. People want fairness. Only God really offers it. And he's offered it through Jesus. He says, everybody, you're welcome to come. Everybody gets in the same way. Everybody gets the same reward. You get eternal life. You get to live with me and become, get to know me and become more like me. And many of the things 
that we know can be found nowhere else but through Jesus. If we don't tell, who will hear? Right? How can they hear unless someone tells them? We need to be less concerned about the idea of predestination means, well, you're in, you're not, you're in, you're not, you're not, you're not, you are, you are. That's not predestination. Predestination is, hey, once you're in, everybody gets the same reward. Well, who's in? Anybody who wants to come. You can trust Jesus. Anybody can. But how will they know that unless we tell them? You know secrets, if you're a Christian here, that shouldn't be secrets. The world is dying for what you know. Nobody can tell them what the church is. That's why the church is worth investing in with your time and and your talents and your treasure. That's why. Because there's no other organization on the planet that can do what we can do because we can help people get to know their creator through him. That's why. That's why you, God has put you in certain places with certain neighbors and certain family members that need to know. We know things that nobody else out there has. And God, out of his grace has given it to us to share with the world. It is not about who's invited and not. Everybody is invited. Everybody who says, yeah, okay, Jesus, I'm in. If they'll trust Jesus, they're in. And they're predestined to get the same benefits that everybody else gets. And they're predestined to be sent out with that same mission that we all have, to let other people know that they're invited. And everybody's welcome to trust in Jesus and get the same benefits so they can be sent out. That's what we do. And nobody else does it. We're the church. We're the ones that have the secret that needs to be told. Let's do it. Amen.